It's the How Games Make Money podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Grubb. I write for GamesBeat.com. This is the show where I talk to people working in and around games and ask them, how does this business work? Is it all just free games with PC slash console crossplay? New episodes come out when they're ready. On this episode, I speak with 1047 co-founder Ian Prohl. Ian helped build 1047's Splitgate competitive shooter that combines combat with a future sport aesthetic. The game is already available on PC, where it has gained a lot of traction, but now it is headed to console as well. And we talk about that process, self-publishing the game, and a whole lot more. But first, thank you for listening. You can get more from me at gamesbeat.com. Email me about the podcast at jeff.grub at gmail.com with the subject line, How Games Make Money. Or reach out on Twitter, I'm at Jeff Grubb. The podcast is at HGMM Show. You can support this show by going to patreon.com slash jeffgrubb. Anything you provide will help keep the show going, but it also gets you into the secret channels inside my Discord, which is available at discord.gg slash game mess. All right. With all that out of the way, let's go talk to Ian right now. Thank you for joining me, Ian. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey guys, I'm Ian Prue. I am the CEO and co-founder of 1047 Games, and we are the makers of Splitgate. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I, I think uh, uh, to start, you are making the kind of game that I, as a person who has two young kids, I feel like I cannot make time for. It's the like uh, you know, it's this, these kinds of games where I want to I want to get into them. I want to get back into them someday. When you are making these games and you are thinking of like a long term plan to support them, yeah. Uh, do you have this idea in mind of someday there are going to there is an audience out there of people who are interested in this game that will uh that will come to it at a later date how do you prepare the game so that it's like ready for someone like me how do you make sure that it's uh, out there and ready to go and that it's appealing at any point in its life cycle yeah well i think um what i'd say is in terms of game design philosophy i think we're we're very similar to a rocket league so we wanted mm-hmm. to make a game where you can pick it up and you can play for 10 minutes and have fun with it or 20 minutes, right? You don't have to dedicate a ton of time. You can just go play casual, play some shoddy snipes, whatever it is, VIP. Um, but then there's also that ability for the players who do want to grind, uh, especially in this upcoming in this upcoming console release. You know, a lot of the focus has been on improving the grindability of the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, weapon challenges, daily challenges, weekly challenges, uh, seasonal challenges. So, a lot of the uh, the stuff we're working on is for those hardcore players who want to get in. But the game is very much designed to be, you know, I, I like to say easy to learn, difficult to master. So anybody can pick it up, turn their brain off, shoot stuff, have fun, and uh, you know, pick it up two weeks later if they want to. But there's that grindability for the the hardcore FPS fans as well. And you mentioned it there; it's uh, it's it's coming to console. Uh, it, it, what was that process like? It's it's been on Steam for a while. Uh, how, I guess how has the PC launch gone? And now, what did you have to do to get ready to get on console? Yeah, so the, the PC launch has gone really well. Um, and actually, it's funny because two years ago when we did do the the PC mm-hmm. launch, it, it kind of went too well. Um, we were not expecting any anywhere near the number of downloads we had. Um, you know, our thought process from the get go was, you know, we're going to kind of do a soft launch. We're going to roll out. We're going to learn a ton. You know, we know we don't. And, and it's actually it's funny. You know, this podcast is about how games make money. When mm-hmm. we first launched. We didn't even have an item shop. We didn't have a store, right? Hmm. So, but but the entire process and the entire thinking here was we want to 
we, we know we're not going to get it right on day one. We know there's going to be a lot of learning. Let's get it out there and in the hands of real users as soon as we have our MVP, our minimal viable product. And that's how we're going to learn, right? And over the past two years, that's what we've been doing. We've been just constantly listening to feedback, looking at what users are doing. You know, both, I mean, actually the main focus has been on retention, but more recently, like looking at, you know, the monetization side of things, what are the skins that people want? And, uh, and actually, you know, I know you started this with, with console, um, you know, that process hasn't been too bad actually for us. You know, a lot of the stuff we've designed from the get go, we've always wanted to be a console game Mm -hmm. and available on as many platforms as possible. So a lot of the stuff we've designed and kind of the early decisions we made centered around, let's make this stuff such that it's reusable, right? You know, let's not use Steam's matchmaking, for example, because if we do that, Mm -hmm. eventually it's going to, you know, it's going to come back to bite us when we have to redo this. So a lot of the stuff we've done has been all custom and, you know, as platform agnostic as possible. When I look at live service games, games that do have a long tail that are supposed to live for a long time. Um, I look around and I see, you know, big games from big studios and it's always seems like they also make mistakes and no one really knows what they're doing here. And you really do have to just put the game out and see how people respond. Uh, I, I, I guess, I guess when you, when you do try to put your best foot forward and try to make the right decision off the, off the bat, uh, how do you sort of balance that and make sure that you are not uh, putting a lot of time into something that you are going to have to throw out once you realize yeah. that players are responding to something differently? It's, it's really tricky. I mean, it's a constant balancing act of, you know, how are we going to balance satisfying and making sure our users feel heard? But also, you know, we're a very data-driven company, and I think that's a unique right. advantage we have. So we're constantly looking and measuring. So whenever we do a change, we want to see, okay, how did that improve retention? Okay, well, not just that, but, you know, how did that improve? Did the quit rate for a certain game mode or a playlist or a map go up or down, right? We're looking at all of that stuff. But we're also, you know, we're listening to the super fans because the super fans, they really do matter a lot. You, you can't just be single-mindedly focused on the data. So to give you an example, there's a map in our game called Oasis. And anybody listening who, who knows our game is probably, uh, <laughs> they're not a fan. Uh, let's just say if they're, a, <laughs> if they're a hardcore player, they're not a fan. Um, but the funny thing is when we looked at the data, we actually saw that this is the third best performing map in the game in terms of like likelihood of quitting after playing on a given map. Mm. And that was really interesting to me because, you know, you listen to the outspoken, you know, vocal minority and it sounds like, man, we really screwed up. We've got this terrible map. Uh, But you look at the data and you're like, well, the data tells me this map's pretty good. But I think there's a balance, right? You can't just ignore the outspoken, you know, super fans. So what we've sort of done is we've actually worked with the super fans and a lot of our kind of hardcore players to figure out, okay, is there a way that we can preserve this map? We're obviously not going to throw it away, but edit it in a way that kind of preserves the good things about it, but also addresses the concerns that they have. And there were, it actually wasn't that hard. There were probably three or four key changes we made to the map with the upcoming console launch that, in my opinion, drastically improved the game for the hardcore players. And, you know, from the handful that we've shown it to and gotten feedback on, I mean, this was them telling us what to do, literally, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, but it still has that feel. So for the masses who want to just, I like to say, kind of turn your brain off and just shoot stuff. Like you can still do that and the map plays great in a casual setting, but now it also satisfies that kind of hardcore competitive FPS player. 
I think you might have touched on what makes this sort of thing so difficult in there where that you know there is people saying one thing and the data saying another and then of course you're gonna, you're going to have your own creative impulses and and gut instincts that po- point you in one direction and you have to balance all that stuff and figure all that stuff out and and really at a certain point it's got to feel like I mean what can you trust you just kind of have to put it out there and see what happens yeah um is uh is is there something ex- exciting about that is it sort of like um you like live and let live almost like devil may care where you could just like say look look we really have to just put something out and see how it does before uh before we have to like before we fall in love with anything that we're making yeah um i think you just have to what what i've learned is you have to challenge your own assumptions mm-hmm. um and as good as we like to think our intuition is and i think we have pretty good intuition mm-hmm a lot of times you're just wrong. It doesn't matter. You could be the best game designer, game developer in the world, and you're just not going to get it right all the time. Um, and actually, I'll, I'll give you another story because I, I find this one particularly interesting. But uh, one of the first things we did when we launched this game, and and I, you know, I was the, a huge advocate for this, was we brought back the Halo Two One to Fifty ranking system. So if if you grew up playing Halo, you you know what I'm talking about. But this mm-hmm. ranking system. I mean, people loved this. And we would actually, you know, before the game had released, we'd go to trade shows and we would, t- this was a huge selling point of ours. We'd tell people, hey, we're bringing back the Halo 2 1 to 50 ranking system. And people, their eyes would light up. They would tell us, <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you. I can't believe Halo got rid of it. They're so stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what we realized is, you know, we're wrong. Like we thought this system, I thought I have so much nostalgia. I thought this was the best system mm-hmm. on earth. The truth is the system sucks. It's horrible <laughs> at getting you well-balanced games. It's terrible for new users because they get crushed in their early games. And what mm-hmm. we saw is like 59% of our users when we first initially launched two years ago with this ranking system would get, uh, sorry, 59% of our matches were absolute blowouts that were just totally lopsided. And um, so, you know, we had to, we had to kind of get with the times and we made a mistake and we were all in on this. This was a selling point. Uh, but we were quick to adapt. And one of the first things we did that was a huge improvement to our retention was we totally threw it away and started over and, you know, adopted a an ELO-based ranking system. Um, so I think the key is you got to be quick to adapt and you need to know that, like, you can't get attached to something. You know, as much as I loved this ranking system and absolutely thought it was the greatest thing as a kid, like we learned very quickly it it's actually bad there's a reason that halo and every other game on the planet doesn't use this so so let's talk about how the game makes money uh you, you said you didn't have an item shop when you launched is that right yeah, when we first launched, yeah. Right, right. So then um, when the game came out, it seemed to do, it, it, people seemed to uh, respond to it really well pretty quickly, and and they have over time as well. It, it seems like the sentiment has only improved over time. Um, how do you turn that that positive sentiment and those good feelings about the game into steady revenue that can lead to growth? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's just, tr- again, it's, it's trial and error. It's experimenting mm-hmm. and learning what your users like and when they like something, make more of it. So, um, you know, the, the first thing we learned actually, when we first launched all of our skins, well, I mean, I guess when we first launched our item shop, which was shortly after launch, um, we had all sorts of different super soldiers, right? It was probably like 25 different super soldiers. And some people really like that, but some people don't. 
Um, you know, some people want to be banana man. Some people want to be cat detective, right? Like, and that's what we've learned is people want to be different and everyone identifies with different characters differently. Um, and you can't just make a million variants of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So really it's just kind of like for us, it's seeing what are people responding well to. And, you know, we actually have in our discord, we've got a chat for skin requests and we get all sorts of creative ideas from the, uh, from the community. Actually this morning I saw a really funny one. Um, we have a game mode called oddball where you basically have to run. It's like keep away. You, you hold the oddball and you just have to run for your life. And we have skins for that. And somebody had the idea of making an eyeball skin. And I was like, that's hilarious. And I sent mm. it over to one of my artists today and he's going to actually do it. Wow, um, that's fantastic. So it's, it's just stuff like that, you know, balancing cool with funny with unique, seeing what people like, making more of that. Um, we're just, honestly, we're just lucky. We have really, really talented artists and we have a community that, that actually cares and enjoys, you know, mm-hmm. s- spending money and, and sending us these crazy, goofy skin requests. So it works well. The interview that Dean, my co- my uh, colleague, did with you about yep. uh, getting funding and growing the studio in terms of its footprint, in terms of how many people that you actually have working on the game. Uh, w- what is this going to enable you guys to do? Uh, a lot. I mean, I think right now... We have a very talented team, but we're so small. I mean, we have three programmers working on the actual game and one working on the back end. And these people are incredibly talented and work extremely hard. But there's only so much four people can do when Mm -hmm. you're trying to compete with the Fortnites and and Call of Duties of the world. Um, So for one, I mean, it's going to enable us to hire people. And, And we've already gone out. We're interviewing a ton of people, especially on the engineering front. Uh, We've actually hired one person recently that we're extremely excited about um, and have a few more that I, I think we'll be able to get. Uh, we've hired more artists already. I think we've hired probably five five or six artists in the last couple of weeks. Um, and these guys are awesome. I mean, we've got more environment artists, more character artists, more weapon artists, which means for one, we're, we're building, we're basically duplicating our current environment team to make another one so we can make maps twice as twice as fast. Um, cause everybody wants more maps, um, you know, more skins, more guns, all of that stuff, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah. Um, and then, and then obviously, you know, on the marketing side, we've been really doing very, very little marketing from the get go. Um, and this just allows us to get the word out and, and, you know, ask anybody who plays the game, what's the number one complaint they have right now. And it's just lack of a player base, you know, mm. the game just needs more players and, um, I mean, it's it's not rocket science, but having a small player base means you're going to have longer queue times. You're going to have poorly right. balanced games. You're probably placing Europeans on U.S. servers. Um, so it's just not ideal. And, you know, having a marketing budget means that those problems instantly go away because we launch on console. We've already got access to all, all new players. Um, and now we can actually spend some real marketing dollars and, and open the floodgates. That makes me want to ask, will this game have crossplay? Absolutely. Yeah. And do you think the audience is going to be accepting and, and willing to go along with that when people are worried about keyboard and mouse versus controller? Uh, is this something that they'll understand? Yeah, I think I think people are understanding. And we've actually spent a lot of time. We, we've got a number of players who play on PC with controller now. Controller, right. And uh, I, I think we've done a really good job of balancing it. 
honestly, my, my approach to, uh, aim assist, I was actually, I, I used to be a coder. I don't really have time anymore, but mm-hmm. I was the one who coded the aim assist. And our approach was basically let's look at halo and let's dial it back, you know, 10 or 15%. Cause mm. you know, you go play halo and you're going to destroy people on a controller. Uh, if you're on a controller, so we wanted to we wanted to even the playing field. I think we have a very good balance. Making Splitgate work uh, seemed like you know a, a, a challenging thing, but it seems like it's also the kind of thing where it was more possible in 2019 uh, when you when you first or I'm, I'm sorry, was it 2019 or 2020 when you released it? 2019. Uh, yeah. 20. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And 20. So in 2019, when you launched, it seemed like it was more possible than than it would have ever been in any of the years prior. And it's gonna. And that's the kind of thing that's gonna be the uh, easier as you go into the future, just based on the tools that are available and being able to publish games by yourself on console. Which I guess that that's. Are, are you publishing the game on console by yourself, or are you working with a publisher? Uh, so we are publishing it ourselves, except we actually have an Italian publisher. Oh wow. Um, okay. VGP, the Video Games Party. And I think we're one of the first games that they've ever published. They've done more kind of traditional marketing stuff as an agency before, and they they approached us and were pretty interested. So we're working with them uh, as sort of an experiment. We're definitely interested in working with more publishers, um, you know, in various other regions. But mm-hmm. yeah, for now, we're doing it ourselves. Yeah, but and that's the thing. It's it's possible to do it yourselves. Uh, and it, you know, and, and to go from PC and to console, and with such a smart, with, with, with such a small team, it seems like a kind of thing that would have been impossible, especially like ten years ago. Yeah. Do you feel? Do you feel that? Is that something where it's like this is the kind of thing where uh, we always want to do it, and it's actually possible, and it feels great to actually be able to make that happen without having to rely on outside companies. Yeah, I mean, I think timing is 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 pretty perfect for us for a number of reasons. Like like you said, from a development standpoint, I mean, working with Unreal Engine four is has never been easier. Um, right. And ten years ago, I mean, even actually when I first started learning Unreal, probably six years ago, it was a lot harder to work with. Uh, for both in terms of just you know, it was just. I guess messier and didn't have mm-hmm. as many features. Um, also, for us, kind of getting this thing off the ground when we first started and had no budget at all, and we're just two college kids. You know, the the Unreal Asset Store, like the marketplace where you can purchase pre-existing assets, mm-hmm. which now we don't use any of. But when we first started, I mean, that stuff can get you a long way. And ten years ago, if you wanted an art team, I mean, you you couldn't do anything, right? Um, and then just in terms of like the landscape of games right now, I mean, there is very much a sense of battle royale fatigue. And two years ago, that was not the case, right? Two years ago, five mm-hmm. years ago, battle royales were just getting started. I think people are starting to get tired of it. It's the same thing over and over and over again. There's all sorts of different flavors of the same game. Uh, so I think timing for us is is pretty perfect right now. We really offer kind of a unique experience that uh, fills a void. Excellent. And then what's what's next? What's the future? I mean, I, I know you, you seem it seems like you got a lot on your plate right now. Very busy, just getting the game on console, building up the team, uh, yeah. you know, getting more players, marketing, all this stuff. But of course, what are you thinking about after all? After you get all this stuff out of the way, after everything goes perfectly, uh, what do you hope to tackle next? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a there's a number of different directions we can take it. I mean, I absolutely we're all in on Splitgate right now. That is the focus, and is I mean, that is the planned focus for many years to come. Um, I think we'd like to port to more more than just Xbox and PlayStation. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we want to be available on everything 
um, even mobile at some point, maybe. Um, there's a number of features we want to add, um, you know, forge mode, big team battle, you know, there's all sorts of things in different directions we can take it. We're just going to have to be quick to adapt and, you know, listen to our community, see what interests them um, and, and take it from there. And then in terms of, you know, long-term goals, I mean, we've got a number of other game ideas. There's, there's probably two or three in particular that I'm extremely excited about. Um, I don't see us starting on those game ideas anytime soon you know, probably two years out at the earliest. Mm -hmm. But um, these are ideas that I think are really, really interesting and have me the most excited I've been since I first thought of uh, thought of Splitgate. So you mentioned there like releasing on mobile. It seems to me that the uh, one of the things that you kind of have to do if you are a free-to-play game right now that is trying to be a live service sort of thing is you have to be everywhere. You have to be everywhere where yep. players are. And I mean, right, right before we got on, I read a headline that I, I haven't read the story, but I think Valorant got announced for mobile. Uh, so oh, like wow. these, yeah. So these things are, are, are happening. I, I mean, I, Halo is going to be playable on on mobile because through xCloud and stuff like that and they clearly made it free to play with that in mind I think yeah. the upcoming yeah. Halo Infinite free to play multiplayer does that feel like a challenge that you guys can overcome and get this game everywhere is, is it is it uh, I would assume with Unreal Engine 4 a pretty scalable yeah. tech that you Absolutely. feel pretty comfortable doing that yeah, I mean, I think part of it is Unreal Engine 4 makes life easier. But honestly, I mean, our, our dev team is incredibly talented. Um, Ethan, in particular, he's our, our director of engineering. And he has, I mean, single-handedly optimized the crap out of this game. Like, it's it's kind of absurd what he's been able to do. Um, and, you know, we're locked at 60 FPS on an Xbox One. Obviously, mobile is a whole different ball game, but uh, I'm very confident that he, Ethan will manage to to somehow make this thing work on mobile eventually when the time comes. Wonderful, Ian. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I, I'm this is fantastic stuff. Is there a you know timing for the release on console? Do you want to tell people all those details in case they miss the stories? Yeah, yeah. So we're coming to Xbox and PlayStation, both you know PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. Um, July 27th. So coming up fast. Yeah, that's, that's real fast. So, all right. Yeah, cool. Then, so people have something to look forward to this summer. That's fantastic. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. I'll be back with a new episode soon. In the meantime, ha have a good one. Take care of yourself and goodbye. <laughs>